Okay, so um, we had a survey that went out to uh, all of the men um, at the completion of our last round of the men's class as to what we wanted to do next with this class. And so the two things and some other questions about what y'all would be willing to do and, and those sorts of things, we had a class where we discussed that some. And so the two things that came back, uh, the top two overwhelmingly, in fact, were number one, a service project class where we do things for others uh, on the night of the men's class and then throughout the month we have things that we can be doing for others based on that. And then number two, a training class where we can grow in our abilities as men uh, to lead and serve in different ways. And so what we're going to do, at least as we begin this next round of classes, is try and combine those two things to a certain degree, where we'll have a class where we talk about a certain aspect of our leadership or service and then put, give opportunities uh, in different ways for us to implement those things. Um, and again, we will have classes that are taught by different men. Um, I'm going to take the uh, first couple of classes, but then we will uh, uh, divide it up from there. And so if you have your Bible, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to start for the class tonight. In Matthew chapter 25. Oh, now I'll get to that here in just a second. In Matthew 25... Anybody tell me what the basis for judgment is in Matthew 25? I'm not asking, tell me the plan of salvation in the whole Bible, but in Matthew 25, what is the basis for judgment? Good works? Say what? Okay, I guess, uh, yeah, what part of Matthew 25? So that's a good, that's a good point. Matthew 25, 31 through 46, where the, there's the division of the sheep and the goats. What is the basis for judgment in that passage? service to others, right, and the way that we serve other people. And so if we're talking about a, quote, service project class, uh, perhaps this is a pretty good place for us to begin. And so we see the Son of Man comes in his glory and he divides the nations before him, the sheep on the right, the goats on the left. And in verse 34, the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before, from the foundation of the world. Four, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Uh, so he goes through this list of the things that they were doing, and it's just the opposite for the goats. They say, well, when did we see you in all these things? We didn't help you. And he says, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. So the basis for judgment are the things that we are doing for others, the service that we provide. Uh, let's turn to, to James chapter 1. As you're turning there, you can probably quote verse 27. Maybe uh, you're not sure what verse 27 is, but if I ask you, what does the Bible say is pure and undefiled religion? What would you say? Visit the fatherless and widows and... 
keep yourself unstained or unspotted from the world. So that's uh, chapter 1 and verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So thinking about those two passages, what is the thing that those two passages have in common specifically? Service to others generally, but what specific service to others does it have in common? Visiting, right? Visiting. Uh, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Pure and undefiled religion is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. Visiting. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about visiting our brethren for a little less than 30 minutes. And then we have the opportunity and go to go and visit some of them. Uh, that should work very well. They know that this is going to be a short 15-minute visit. We're going to divide it up amongst our group, uh, and we're going to go and visit a number of people who are prepared for that visit. And the idea is to do it tonight when we already have it set aside, to shorten the class here so that we're all getting home about the same time as what we would have anyway. Uh, and before we go to this visit, here's what I want to do. Uh, I want us to talk just a few minutes about visiting um, and some of the nuts and bolts of visiting. I don't claim to be an expert on this necessarily, uh, but it is something with which I have some experience and familiarity uh, and something that I've learned from others. Um, when I was back in Lindale, um, the elders and preachers there visited every Wednesday morning. We would go visiting uh, from about 9 o'clock until noon, about lunchtime, uh, and that was a good training ground for me in some of those things. And then, of course, uh, in my, my preaching life since then, I've done a lot of visiting as well. It says to visit specifically in, in James 1 and verse 27, widows and orphans. And widows and orphans are literal groups of people, of course. But it's also shorthand in the Bible and really in the ancient world at large for, for a larger group of people that included more than just those who had lost a spouse or had lost their parents, widows and orphans. In many ways, widows and orphans was representative of a larger group of people that had some qualities in common. So that's our main question for the lesson is, what do widows and orphans have in common? So think about that for just a second. Let's see what kind of list that we can come up with for what widows and orphans have in common, those two types of people. Okay, what do you think? Say what? Okay, so lost the father or husband. Okay, what else? They're alone, which means oftentimes that means they are lonely. Okay, somebody. Okay, so lack of a caretaker. Okay, what else? They have needs not being met, probably. They are more likely to have needs not being met. Now, that's not always the case, right? Um, but that's more likely with this group of people. Okay, what else? Okay, so they have needs that are not being met. We might think uh, financial needs, 
but they also have some care needed. Uh, and so there might be some emotional needs right there, but there also might be some practical needs there, uh, right? So they need somebody to come and do some stuff for them, okay? What else? Lack of support. There is a lack of support there. Okay, what else? So they have some dependency on others, okay? Um, and I think maybe part of that goes along with that is they're uh, more likely to be taken advantage of. Uh, for there to be abuses that take place. You see a lot of that in the prophets when it talks about orphans and widows and strangers and them being taken advantage of when they're in the land. Anything else? Um, it's interesting throughout history, when we think about people who die, um, these are more vulnerable in that. So they're more likely, maybe it's less likely in our society as it used to be, but uh, illness is more likely um, with these two people. Okay? And uh, you think about widows and orphans, were they always widows and orphans? Probably not. This is something that they became. And so we have alone and lonely, but I would also suggest that they have both suffered loss. Right? So there is a, there's pain involved with the loss that they have suffered, whether of a spouse um, or of parents. Um, anything else that you'd say these people have in common? God, yes. God feels especially protective of these groups. We see in like Psalms, Father is fatherless, defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. That's exactly right. Um, and the Old Testament, especially, both in the law and in the prophets, um, and in the wisdom literature for that matter, goes out of its way to say, you need to be protecting these people. And this is a sign that I'm different and my people are different than the rest of the world because. We're going to be protective of these people, okay? Anything else you can come up with that they have in common? Okay, yeah, I think alone, lonely, suffered loss, I think there's a more likelihood that they're going to be down, discouraged, uh, even depressed, right? It's more likely that they're going to experience some of those sorts of emotions uh, because of the things that they've lost. Anything else? We can all see the good in people like that. They have some tangible talents that can be productive. Okay. So, so it's not as though these people can't serve in the kingdom of God. They can still be productive uh, and off productive, and oftentimes they are very productive, right? But it's still um, still people who need additional help. Uh, there's one more big thing that I'm thinking of. Maybe you can think of others. Eric, maybe he's thinking of it right this moment. We got to. We talked about financial needs, emotional needs, practical needs, but spiritually, like, I mean, I would suffer greatly spiritually if I didn't have the other beside me, encouraging me, teaching me. And as a parent, if you're going to have parents to teach you the word or guide you, I think spiritual needs. Oh, that is a great, great point. 
Absolutely. So there's a spiritual need here as well, right? Because they don't have uh, that other person or people in their lives for this. Okay? That's not the one I was thinking of, but that's probably better than what I was thinking of. We have a responsibility toward this group. Okay. It's a spiritual responsibility and from God. Probably more than any other group that we could single out. Okay. So there's a responsibility that we have there. Uh, and we have responsibility, but think about it in these terms. Uh, in, in the crassest sort of way, are you going to get a lot back from serving this group? Um, emotionally, spiritually, the way you feel. But in terms of serving somebody where I'm hoping I'm going to get back something back from them, this is not that group, right? So uh, not expecting... Uh, much in return. Now, here is my question. This list uh, has a lot of things. A few of those things are specific to widows and orphans. Are there a lot of things on this list that are not specific to widows and orphans? Are there people who are alone and lonely, who are not widows and orphans? Are there people who have suffered loss, who are down, who have needs, uh, who have spiritual, emotional, practical, financial needs, who have a lack of support, who are dependent on others or others have taken advantage of them, who are suffering through illness, uh, who God is protective of and we should be too, that we have responsibility toward, who even if we serve them, we're not going to get much in return. Are there others who fit those same kinds of criteria? Absolutely. So we can even mention specifically some of those. So the elderly, the aging, the shut-in, even if it is a couple, right? Those who are uh, perhaps uh, children who have parents, but maybe one of the parents is not faithful, or it's a single parent home, those sorts of things. So there are others who fit these same sort of descriptions, even though they are not technically widows and orphans. Do we see that? Here's my point. When we think about who, whom, whom should I be visiting? It is people who fall in these categories. And yeah, we can visit other people as well, and it can be beneficial to us to visit other people as well, but people who fall into those categories are the people that we should be visiting. Um, and we have a responsibility to visit. Uh, and... You know, we have a lot of really good, good-hearted people in this room tonight, a lot of really strong, faithful Christian men. Uh, and so I know that a bunch of visiting is already going on. I'm not saying, hey, we need to get started visiting because I know that's happening. In fact, um, I see evidence of that sometimes uh, in my own visiting with things that y'all are doing. Uh, but it is something that we as men, uh, as Ronnie said, we have a responsibility toward, that this is pure and undefiled religion, that this is... One of God's criteria for judgment, are we doing this toward those who need it the most? And if you had to point out what is the biggest obstacle for us when it comes to going and visiting someone, what is the biggest obstacle? Maybe we don't think we can. Yeah. And so that's part of the reason for this first part of the class, to maybe equip us in some of the things that we can do. What else? What's our biggest, number one biggest obstacle? People don't think they have time. Sometimes we don't have time. Busyness uh, on their part and on ours, right? And so some of this is intentionality. Uh, we're all busy. And so if we don't make it a priority and schedule it in some way, uh, 
then probably it's not going to happen, which is part of the reason for the class tonight and part of the reason why we're going to be done with this part of the class by 7 o'clock so that we can then go and visit some folks who are expecting us a little after 7. Uh, I made this handout. Um, this is... Uh, this is the Gospel of Reagan, um, but I think, uh, thank you, I think it is based on a lot of biblical principles uh, that hopefully can be put in a practical way. So it is not the Ten Commandments of visiting, it is the Ten Suggestions of visiting. Uh, there are some people in this room who are much better visitors than I, and uh, I'm eager to hear their input um, as we... Uh, uh, as we consider these things, uh, but I'm going to run through this list of the things that I think, and then uh, we can go from there. So I, I need to, I know I need to do this. This is something that I'm called to do. This is pure and undefiled religion. This is, God's going to judge me based on this. Uh, and this is not something that I need to be doing as a preacher. It's something I need to be doing as a Christian. Um, and all of us as Christian men need to be doing. So let's just run through these really quickly. It's always a great class when the teacher just reads a list, but we're going to go through this and make a few comments. I think it's helpful uh, in today's day and age. This was not always the case. Many of you remember the times when you could just show up at somebody's house, and there are still people where, yeah, you can just show up at their house, but if you're going to somebody's house in today's day and age, you probably need to call ahead and work out a time that works for them and a time that works for you. Get it on the calendar that you can go. Maybe it's going to be that afternoon, that evening. Uh, we're going to have six different uh, houses or people that we go to tonight. Uh, but part of that is because there's a lot more that we could visit, but it's late um, for a lot of people. A lot of people that need visiting, it's late for them uh, to be visiting this, this time of night. And so finding a time that works for, for both of you. Uh, and number two, either pick a time to go when you can stay as long as they want you to, or tell them ahead of time how long you can stay. So for the visitation tonight that we're going to do, they've been told in advance this is going to be a 15 or so minute visit. Okay, So that's what people are expecting. Uh, and so that makes it easier as we think about this idea of time and how we're going to relate to time, uh, find the time to do it is by picking either I can go and I can stay, I can spend the afternoon, we can go and look in the shop and do all kinds of stuff, or, hey, um, when's a good time that I can come by? That sounds great. I can come by for about 15 minutes. I'd love to talk to you for a little while. And setting those expectations ahead of time. Number three, consider setting up a regular time to visit others during the week. Um, if you want to try and make it weekly or during the month to make it monthly, to where this is set aside on my calendar to do this. I'm going to go. My family's going to go. We're going to go and visit some folks uh, when we have the time to do that. Um, and, it, and maybe that's a regular time, that it's going to be on this day, this time of day. Uh, but sometimes it's... Most of us keep a calendar of some kind. If we don't, our wives, many of our wives do. Uh, maybe it's looking at the month and saying, well, there's a day that the kids are off of school. There's a day that I don't have a lot of appointments at work. There's a day that I can work this in to where we can go and do some visiting. And just making that a priority for us. Um, number four, check the time before you go in. Um, that sounds heartless. It's not. Um, that's to orient you before you go in. 
Uh, there have been times where I've forgotten to do that and I sit down and there's no clock. I have no idea, you know, when I got there and when I need to leave, any of those sorts of things. So just a really practical matter, check the time before you go in. What time is it? If I said it was going to be a 15-minute visit, that kind of orients me to that. Um, and so part of the reason why you do that before you go in is so that you can, number five, be engaged and focused while you're there and remove distractions, um, phones especially. Uh, but there are other distractions when we go. We are there for that person. And for that time that we're there, we need to make it to where that person is the only person in the world. That person has all of our focus, all of our attention, all of our energy, because people who are in this situation, orphans and widows, uh, for many of them it's been a while since they've had someone who has that kind of focus and attention on them. And it can be really healthy, really helpful uh, for them to have that from somebody. So some practical things. I don't know why, but you go and visit people, a lot of times elderly people, they leave the TV on while you're there. I don't know why. Maybe I know quite some can't hear the TV and so they don't realize that it's still on even though you know that it's on. And so something that I've done so that I'm not, I don't care what's on the TV, but what happens if you can see the TV? You know, you're kind of just drawn to it. So if I have the choice, I always in those situations just sit with my back to the TV so that I can give my full attention to that person. Uh, a lot of times what I'll do is our phones have different focus modes. I'll turn it to Stephanie only. And so if my phone goes off, I know that Stephanie which is the only thing that I'm going to answer while I'm there with that person. Uh, another practical thing, a lot of people have animals in their house. Um, and some of us have different views on animals in the house and how we feel about that. Listen, if you're going to visit somebody, you just gotta, you got to embrace that ahead of time. Pet the animal and invite the animal into your lap if you want to go that far. Uh, and just, I'm here for this person I can wash my clothes later if you're not an animal in the house person, right? Um, I kind of love animals, so that's not hard for me. I think it's harder for other people. Um, but again, my focus is on this person, not all of the other distractions that might be going on. And we could add to that list of other distractions. My goal is to be engaged and focused. Uh, number six, ask questions. People are interesting. If we take the time to get to know them, show that interest. Uh, it's a back-and-forth conversation. We understand that. Uh, but I'm there to, to talk about them. I'm there to ask questions. And some people refuse to let you do that. They want to know about you and your kids and all that. And that's great. That's wonderful. Uh, but let them be the one who initiates uh, that sort of direction in the conversation. Number seven, um, and we'll talk about this more next month, listen and feel more, talk less. Romans 12 and verse 15 Weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who re rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That, that's what the verse says, right? Yeah. Um, so we're there uh, not to fix all of this person's problems. Maybe if it's a different kind of visiting, um, if we're there for spiritual purposes, that it's somebody in sin, maybe we are there to have those harder conversations. But if we're talking about visiting widows and orphans in their trouble... We're not there to fix all their problems necessarily. Our first goal is to listen to them, to empathize with them, to weep with them in the things they're weeping about, to, to rejoice with them in the things that they are rejoicing about. Um, and not fall into the trap of 
doing all of the talking ourselves. Along with that, number eight, and this is two sides of the same coin, we have to have thick skin and we have to be patient with someone who is hurting, lonely, sad, or upset. We need to talk less because people are easily offended sometimes when they're going through a period of loss or mourning or they're lonely. Uh, and there have been numerous examples of someone trying to provide comfort at a funeral or visitation or after those sorts of things, and they're trying to be helpful, and instead they say the wrong thing and it hurts somebody's feelings. Well, if we're just there for that person, asking questions, talking with them, uh, talking less, listening more, uh, it might be helpful, but also people sometimes lash out. Um, and it's not just a matter of us not being offensive, but also not being offended, uh, bearing with one another in love in these situations. Uh, and number nine, um, these people need help a lot of times in uh, various ways, uh, but if you offer to help, mean it. Count the cost before you offer to help. It's kind of natural. We're sitting there, hey, is there anything I can do for you? Well, if you're going to say that, you need to mean it, right? And they might say, yeah, you know, you can come and paint this dining room. That'd be great if you could do that. Well, count the cost. If we're going to offer, we need to be willing to follow through on that. And then I think a great way to, uh, a great way to, to end these visits is to pray before you leave, to ask can I say a prayer with you before I go? Um, in some ways, that's helpful in saying, okay, the visit's over now. But also, it's just helpful to everybody to, to bring the Lord into the room to pray with them about these things. Okay, I can take three minutes of comments about those things, uh, and then we need to go to our places where we're going to visit. Uh, actually, we've got to determine who's going where, so I can take two minutes of comments about that list. That really encouraged people to comment, didn't it? <laughs> All right, so here's what I suggest. Um, what I would like to do, and Christianity is a voluntary religion, especially when we get all the way to the men's class, right? All of this is voluntary. What I would like to do is for us to divide up a list of names amongst us, and uh, we have enough people here. Not everybody's going to get the opportunity to go tonight. But I would like all of us to make the commitment that uh, we are going to, including tonight, we're going to visit twice over the next month. Between now and the next men's class, I'm going to visit twice. Whether that's somebody in the hospital, whether that's somebody who's sick, whether that's somebody who's elderly, whether that's a widow, whether that's your mother, um, you know, whoever it might be. Uh, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resolve, I'm going to make two visits between now and next month, the uh, February men's class. Um, so, uh, trying to think of a way to commit people to this without calling everybody out. Uh, so, give me a thumbs up if you are willing to make that commitment. Uh, now, you've made that commitment. I didn't even see everybody who raised their thumb and didn't raise their thumb, but you've made that commitment yourself. Uh, I've made that commitment, um, hopefully more than that, but um, certainly that's where I'm going to begin. Uh, so what we need to do now, uh, we have these six uh, who are expecting a visit tonight. Some of them are 
in different directions, obviously. So the parishes, for example, are between Huntington and Dyball. So it's probably good for somebody who lives out that direction uh, to go and visit them. Again, for those of you who've come in later, they're expecting a 15, all of these people are expecting a 15-minute visit. They've all been called in advance yesterday and today and are expecting a visit and good with a visit. So, uh, Dave, did you have a question or comment? Okay. Did you have one that you wanted to go see? Well, I live up toward Huntington, so I was looking at the parish. Okay. And what I'd like is to have two or three, no more than four men to go to each of these. But we can have somewhere between two and four to go together to this visit. So, Dave? By the time of the next meeting, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, so you have other opportunities to visit. Not all of these be visited by maybe one, one person tonight. Oh, I'm thinking, yeah, just like a couple of people go and visit these tonight. Yeah. yeah, and so so we're talking two or three people at most for each of these, okay? Um, mainly this is, yeah, Jesse? Uh, Miss Bobby's also at Parkwood. Did you? Uh, uh, so Miss Bobby said it was too late. Okay. <laughs> uh, she would love to have a visit afternoon but not this late. So, Miss Bobby was on the list, but she said 7 o'clock was too late for her. Uh, yes? I can go see Nelda. Okay. Um, what, how about we do this? Um, instead of just calling out names, is there a better way of doing this? Uh, all right, well, we'll just do it quickly. All right, maybe there's not. I should have thought through that a little better. So, Daniel? I'm going to see Ted. He's going away. I'm going to see Charlie. I'm going to see all right, one, two, three, go. So Ted and Charlene are off the board. Yeah. Uh, Brenda talked to him. And uh, he. Uh, and there's a number there if you want to call ahead and say, hey, we're on our way, we're coming. Okay, so there's a number there. All right, that's good. So who's going with Dave? All right, one, two, three, going with Dave. What? Y'all going to see Frank? Y'all have one more? Do you have two? You want one more? Marilyn Horton, okay. So Jose, who's going with Jose to Marilyn? Okay, so Wayne's going to, to see Marilyn. Uh, Parkwood, room 60, I have 604 there. I wanted to double check that room number and I got a text. Let me see. Uh, 604 is correct, room 604 in Parkwood. Okay, um, so Marilyn's off the board. Parishes are off the board. Uh, Nelda's off the board. And Melody Adams is the last one left. So, okay. Who's going to go with Jerry? Okay. Yeah. 509 is what this says. It's 506? Okay. All right, 506. I can figure that out. Okay, very good, thank you all.